Welcome to Gardening Talk, back for a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you. Good afternoon. Yes, got blown here this afternoon. It was very fresh this morning, wasn't it? It certainly is. It's got a little bit worse out there. Well, that's, that is not good news. No, good for drying the clothes, but... Mm. Nothing else. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> what do you got planned for us today, Scott? I thought we'd talk about uh, dichondra because if you've got some uh, shady spots in your lawn, dichondra can either be something that's good or it can be a pest. Yep. Uh, new white daisies that are coming out and uh, some tomato varieties. Of course, if any, if you want to call up, you can get uh, in the draw for uh, two free tickets to see the Maitland Garden Ramble on the 16th and 17th of September. Oh, very good. So we've still got a few double passes to get away. We certainly have. Very good. And we've got Bev from Toronto, and she's got a question about Osmanthus fragrance. Hey, Bev, how can we help you? Well, um, I was given this beautiful tree. I mean, it's nothing to look at uh, when it's at its best, but it has a most beautiful little perfumed white flower on it. And uh, we planted it at the front door, but there's near the big um, ficus that's grown enormously and taken all the goodness away. So the osmanthus has sort of died back. And I was wondering if it would be safe to give it a good cut back and uh, transplant it. Yeah, look, that sounds like it's probably a good idea because if you've got it in next to a fig, it will be sucking a lot of the nutrient and moisture out of the soil. So your osmanthus is going to you know, have a little bit of a struggle. Uh, I guess they're probably more suited to climates uh, you know, south of here anyway. As you go down towards Victoria, they're more popular. And uh, that's where it gets its, its name from, fragrance, because you, know, you hit it the hole in one there. It's got that beautiful smell to the flower and so... Uh, yeah, that, that's why it's got that name, Osmanthus uh, Fragrance. Uh, look, they can get quite tall as well, uh, you know, sort of uh, at least over three metres around here. Uh, you know, they, they can get up to about 10 metres, so it's probably something you want to be able to keep in check. Um, but look, I would certainly transplant it. Uh, do it now, uh, you know, before it gets too hot. Now's a really good time to go and transplant things if you need to. And uh, just make sure you're giving it plenty of water when you transplant it. Uh, it'll, you know, pop into spring now in the next few weeks and you'll get a lot of growth from that and it should, uh, you know, get itself up and running nicely for the uh, new season. Good. And would you suggest uh, like putting manure in or what would I do when I dig the hole uh, to help it, you know, get some... You know, nutrition, what would I do? <laughs> no, look, now, that's that's a, a really, really bad thing to do, to stick manure in a hole that you're about to put and transplant a new plant into. Because what happens is you put that sort of hot manure in there, it's, you know, full of all, all those fantastic goodies, but then the plant goes in there and it sticks its new roots straight out into that uh, really sort of hot manure and it sucks up everything and all of a sudden it goes, oh, heck, and it just burns it from the inside out. And what, when people bring leaves in that they've done, you know, they've, they've put uh, their plant directly into manure like that, you'll find that the, uh, you know, the leaf is actually burnt up through the veins and then outwards towards the edge of the leaf. It's, you know, completely the opposite to if the plant's dried out, for instance. So definitely don't do that. Uh, look, the only thing you would do, uh, you could put some blood and bone if you wanted to and mix it up uh, within, you know, into the soil that you're putting in there. But water's the most important thing when you transplant a plant. Just make sure you're watering it really heavily. And after it's been in for, say, oh, you know, a month to six weeks, uh, then you might get some manure and sprinkle it around or even some slow-release fertiliser like Bounce Back. It's a pelletised manure, uh, so it's much safer to use. And then you'd start to fertilise it after that four- to six-week period. Oh, great. The other thing I've got is a fig tree. Mm -hmm. It's been a faithful fig tree for, oh, I suppose, 20 years. and uh, But it's got borers 
particularly in one part of it. I was wondering what could I do. Yeah, so look, there's there's two things you can do to get rid of borers in, in any plant, really. Uh, one of them is to try and physically... Uh, you know, actually prune it out. So if you can find the limb where the borer is, uh, you grab the saw or whatever you're going to cut with and uh, you start pruning and, you know, you try and get rid of all that dead material and you, you can often find the weevil, little borer weevil in there going around and doing his business. So cutting it out is one way to do it. Uh, the other old-fashioned way uh, is, and look, it's not because I, you know, used to do it back in the day, but this is the old-fashioned way to do it. You can actually get a drill and carefully drill into the trunk of the plant and you can get... Uh, an insecticide and you can actually inject that into the uh, plant directly and it will be absorbed up through the plant and as those borers are munching away in there they will sort of suck up that insecticide and it will kill them uh, it's important to plug those holes back up though with some uh, you know old wood putty or something like that uh, but that is an old-fashioned way to do it of course you can also just water the plant very heavily uh, that can help the plant make it more healthy drive the borers up with the sap stream uh, you also need to be fertilizing as well just to generally get the plant more healthy so if you can give it a bit of a prune um, you know a bit of a spray uh, fertilize watering that can get rid of it or otherwise you have to resort to the drill and the insecticide and the wood putty so do you think the cow manure would be good fertiliser for that? Yeah, absolutely. You can certainly give uh, some cow manure to a fig tree. That'll be fantastic for it. Right. Oh, thank you for that. That's a big help. That's not a problem. Good. Okay. Good on you, Bev. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, bye. Thanks, Bev. We've got Irene from Bright Waters, and she needs advice about replacing Geraldton wax. Hey, Irene, how can we help you? Oh, well, um, I've... Um, I, I took on the challenge to grow Geraldton wax. I live on the waterfront, and, um, yeah, for three years, um, the Geraldton wax plants have um, done really well. However, now's the time, I think, um, I've had to take out five of them, and I think I've, it's time to replace. I was thinking of uh, replanting with some um, long leaves long-leaf wax plants. What's your advice? Uh, yeah, look, often, you know, natives can get, uh, you know, towards the end of their lifespan and it is time to, to get rid of them. I suppose Geraldton wax are a particularly touchy plant uh, in the humidity here in Newcastle. And, yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah, and it's really, you can grow them like, like you have, uh, but it is important to have a really well-drained and full sun position for them. So often yep. people will build them up, you know, into a mound and they'll put some sand and mix that in with the potting mix or the soil uh, to yep. try and keep that drainage going for them. Uh, very, very important. Important that you don't fertilise them with anything particularly harsh. So you have to yeah. use native fertilisers or uh, blood and bones. Very safe to use with natives as well. Uh, yep. So look, they're the main things to get Geraldton wax to grow. And of course, just cross your fingers and your legs and your toes and whatever else you can. And hope well, I've that done you... that. <laughs> but I think it's time now to replace. So would uh, the longleaf uh, wax uh, plant um, be a good replacement? Uh, yes, look, that, that'll be fine for you in those conditions. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And is there anything special I need to do um, once I remove... Um, I've got uh, three uh, Geraldton wax that um, are no longer active. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else I should do uh, to the soil if I get some longleaf uh, wax plants? And also, where do I purchase them from? Uh, look, go to a good garden centre. They should be able, you know, a good independent garden centre. They should be able to help you out finding the 
those. Uh, right. as, as far as pulling out your gelatin wax and feeding up the, uh, the ground, uh, gelatin wax really shouldn't have a very big root system, so they should almost just you know, pop out of the ground. It's one of them yep. not blowing out of the ground with the wind that's out there at the moment, yep. uh, especially if they're down near the waterfront at, at your place. Uh, yep. And look, then just get some uh, cow manure as a good all-round fertiliser and mix right. that back into the soil. And, of course, wait you know, two weeks before you replant back into that. You just need to let it sort of settle down, oh, cool right. down a little bit. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Okay. Uh, well done. Okay. Well, thank you for the call, Irene. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Have a good afternoon. We've got Pat from Valentine. Now, she needs advice about mulching and a potting mix. How can we help you, Pat? Well, I've, um, I've got some friends who feel that maybe... They've used it incorrectly and they have uh, think it may be responsible for their chest problems. And I know I have heard this in the past, so I just thought if you could warn people, there are dangers, aren't there, inhaling the, um, something out of those. Yes. So when you're opening up a bag of potting mix, uh, you have to mm. be careful about that. Make sure you're doing it out in a nice open area uh, because mm. it, it has been known that there's been Legionnaire's uh, disease in potting mix. Look, that said, I've been opening bags of potting mix now for, uh, oh, let me count, uh, just about 30, uh, 40 years now I've been opening mm. up bags of potting mix and nothing bad's ever happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, had a fellow come into work uh, one time and he said he actually did contract it uh, through yeah. a bag of potting mix. So I think as with all things in life, it's, you know, just use a bit of common sense, you know, don't be opening the bag, you know, with your face sort of, yeah. you know, yeah. down down over it and then inhaling just, to, you know, as you sort of, as that uh, sort of wafts up out of there. Yeah. Um, so look, just always be careful. Do it out in an open area. Uh, you know, don't be breathing in as, as it opens. But I think there's just as much, uh, you know, danger as, you know, walking into a shopping centre or something like that and it you know getting it in the in the cool from the cooling towers of the air conditioning yeah that's another thing too isn't it yeah no if they just feel it may have been responsible what about mulches would it be the same thing oh look i i can't see why it wouldn't be the same i think what it is ah. is the fact that you've got that organic matter and you've got it sealed up in a sort of a moist wet environment oh, and then yes. when you open it there's those whatever the legionnaires spores i'm no doctor as you can probably tell uh, <laughs> That, that, they come out in the air that comes out from the bags. And I think that's why, you know, for instance, in air conditioning, cooling towers, uh, you know, it's a moist environment up there. Uh, the disease or whatever it is can can grow and, you know, make little tentacles or whatever it does. And then it yeah. comes out and gets you. So, look, a little bit of common sense uh, when you're opening up a bag. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I've been 40 years now opening up bags of potty mix and uh, inside and outside, I'd have to say. And I've never had it myself. So. Well, that's, that's good news. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll warn them about that one. And um, the the other thing is I'm sitting in the bus the other day and I'm going along Derby Street and I'm thinking, where on earth is your place in Derby Street? And, and I couldn't see any evidence. So is it <laughs> down near the Parkway Avenue intersection or is it? Further up? No, it is down near the Parkway Avenue intersection. Uh, it's across the road from a, a little coffee shop uh, down there. Oh, right. And, and good, to, good to hear that you're on the bus as well. I love catching the bus as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll uh, next time I'll. Um, you should have a big, um, a big flower stuck out the front or something. I think there might be some signs out there when we're open. So. Oh, you're not open yet? No, oh, no, no, we're open, but uh, yeah, the, when, when oh, we're Oh, you open, haven't. Yeah. Oh, oh, right. So I shall look for that great big flower. Oh, for September too. It's the spring. Yes. <laughs> okay, thanks for your help. Okay, Bye. thank you very much, Pat, and you stay on that bus. 
Bye. Bye bye. She's met Blakey. I don't know. I've got my Opal card. My Opal card. I'm like uh, Malcolm Turnbull. I'm always on public transport. <laughs> I'm sure you. I'm sure you are always on public. Transport. I'm not wearing a top hat at the time, though. You're not. No. Oh, but do you get, like, do they have, do they have bus inspectors? I don't think they, tickets. I'm not sure if they do anymore. I think just the driver does it all now. Okay. Yeah, I'll I can just imagine Malcolm on the bus with his top hat on, and you know, heading down to Vaucluse or wherever he comes from with his monocle. Yes. <laughs> We've got Brian now from Gorican. He's got a question about lilies. Hey, Brian, how can we help you? Yeah, hi. Um, about six months ago, I transplanted some lilies. I had them all scattered, so I decided to put them all in together in the same garden. I put a bit of soil and potting mix in. I planted them, a light sprinkle of uh, blood and bone, and then put some mulch on the top. And they're, they're still alive, but when they grow, the leaves don't stand up like they used to when they when they get fairly big. They just lay on the ground, and then they sort of die and go white and die and I just pull them away. Is there any reason why they're not standing up anymore? Yeah, mate, what, what exactly, do you know exactly the sort of lilies they are? Well, one is a very common one. It's like a big bell with red and white leaves um, and uh, they get a stem out of the centre. Right, okay. You Look, you, you've, you've stumped me there absolutely on that one. Uh, look, oh, they're very common. You see them everywhere. Yeah, okay, that, and you know what? That's often the ones that I never get when people describe them to me. As soon as I see it, yeah. of course, I know what it is. Hippiastrum? Oh, hippiastrums, yeah. Okay, yeah, so there. Okay, so the flower gets the, the, the flower comes out like that, yeah. So hippiastrums, uh, look, uh, they, they should be... Uh, easy they're a very tough plant uh, they'll grow you know you can stick them in an old pot and almost put them in under the house and when you bring them back out again in summer they'll be ready to go again for you so very easy to look after i think it might just be that winters uh, sort of come along at the wrong time after you've transplanted them and they're not uh, you know looking too fat flash um, it's been six months uh, since i transplanted them before uh, the winter okay look, and they're under a um a big pergola that the sun comes through the pergola yeah it's got that laser light stuff on it. Okay, so they're not necessarily out in the full sun in that case. No, not full sun, no. Okay, and and so and as far as watering, how much are you giving them? Because this could be a problem. Uh, only that you know people put things in under you know laser light and things, and then they look out their window and go, oh, it's raining, so my plants out there must be getting a water. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they're not necessarily, and they're actually, you know, getting quite dry in there. So I'd probably use, you know, some water as a first port of call with them and just a general fertilise. Uh, there's a, a liquid fertiliser called Flourish that you can use. You mix it up in the watering can and yeah. you water it around and that will give it a really good feed. I know that they don't like to be overwatered. They, they're like a, they're a bit like... Um Agapanthus, they don't like too much water. Yeah, hip can dry right, right out. Uh, you know, they can become incredibly pot-bound and they'll still go for you. They've got, they've got that big bulb, uh, you know, yeah. that they store all that uh, moisture and nutrient in there. Uh, but look, for yours, after transplanting them and, you know, being in undercover, I'll just make sure they are being well-watered and uh, okay. get, get some liquid fertiliser and give them a crack with that. Yeah, okay. All right, okay. I'll give that a go. Okay, good on you, Brian. Thank you. Cheers. Bye, mate. Now, Scott, the last few weeks we've been giving away a couple of double passes or two tickets, whichever yes. you prefer. Whichever you prefer. To the Maitland Garden Ramble. And we have been. Got a bit more info about what the Ramble is all about. Yes, and of course we're going to give away a ticket to anyone or double pass, two tickets to two anyone tickets. who calls up today yep. and asks a question as well. So someone's, uh, you know, a few people already there. 
people are in the running already. In the running already. It's uh, not the Melbourne Cup field yet, but we're going to work our way up to that. <laughs> but I thought we'd just have a quick chat about uh, one of the gardens uh, that's uh, on display on the uh, 16th and 17th with a garden ramble. Yep. And uh, one of them is the Bray Garden. It's uh, Zeta Park. Uh, it was originally a, a dairy farm and uh, was purchased by the original owners uh, in 1980. Uh, then they uh, turned it into a horse stud. But uh, over the last 20 years, they've actually been converting it into a garden. Sounds a little bit nicer. It does, but then a horse does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, the other things that have gone on there, they've been dairy, goats, cheese, um, you know, chooks, dogs, cats, all sorts of orchards and stuff out there. Uh, it's very, very close to the Patterson River. Uh, they've also got uh, some oranges and avocados there, so it's looking really, really beautiful. Now, the main thing about the garden that makes it very, very beautiful, and I think it should be fine for the Garden Ramble, is that about 35 years ago, uh, they planted an avenue of jacarandas and uh, down the driveway so yep. it will look absolutely spectacular hopefully in september uh, they've also got silky oaks down the other side of the driveway so really really beautiful uh, you know as the avenue of trees as you come in uh the garden around the house was originally designed by helen whalen there's a blast from the past coming back uh and uh the there's also a japanese garden to have a, a look at there that was designed by a fellow called malcolm berry a very very nice guy uh, and uh, there's, look, of course, beautiful uh, hedges, uh, circular rose garden with lots of David Austin roses. There's also a fountain to have a look at. So the uh, Bray Garden Zeta Park at Woodville is a must-see when you're up there doing the Garden Ramble on the 16th and 17th of September. Sounds like they've got a bit of everything. They do sound like they've got a bit of everything. It sounds like the, the house has actually been a little bit of everything over time. Mm. We've got Anne from Aberdeer, and she's got a couple of questions about rose bushes. How can Hi. we help you with the man? Hello, how are you? Yeah, pretty well. Um, I've got some rose bushes that my husband planted and I need to transplant them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Can I do that now? Or uh, Yeah, look, it's probably not the best time to do them, although we're not quite in spring yet. So if you're going yep. to do them, you'd almost have to run outside with a spade now right. and do them <laughs> right uh, but yeah look you, you certainly can roses are a great plant i mean really with roses you can tra tra transplant them uh you know almost any time during the year because of the way you can prune them back uh, yep. quite successfully and you can even give them a root prune as well if you want to uh right, yeah. you know look roses are a, a plant that are particularly adaptable to being dug out and moved around uh, you know obviously uh, you know during uh you know bare root rose season uh, you yep. know they get transported around the country uh bare rooted when they're dormant yep. and they do very well look the main thing is uh, when you're digging uh, don't drag the uh, the rows out of the ground uh, if you have right. to cut any roots cut them with some secateurs or with a sharp uh, you know knife or saw right. and then yep. uh, get them back into the ground and plenty of water uh, water 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 and reduce some of that uh, you know the head of the plant if you have to yeah they have been pruned right back but uh, um, just there's plumbago that's growing up and I'm trying to get rid of it and need to poison it so it's close to them so yeah now that okay you have to be really careful about that uh, yep. roses don't like zero or glyphosate yep. in yep. any so way that's whatsoever why I want it moved yeah, yeah. so that I can um, poison the plumbago I want it then moved out of the way. Yeah, because, uh, you know, if it gets any drift or any, even really in the soil, uh, you'll deform the roses. They, you know, they, they go quite bad and they never come back, unfortunately. So make right. sure you're okay. moving the roses and that there's no, doing it on a nice still day if you're going to be spraying. Yep. Okay. Right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for that, Anne. Thanks, Scott. Okay, bye. bye. Well, we've got Jeff now from Sam and he's got a question about passion fruit. Hey, Jeff. Good, how, mate. How you going? Good. How can we help you? Mate, uh, I bought um, at, uh, at the weekend a Grafted passion fruit mm -hmm. and a non-grafted passion fruit, both Nellie Kelly's. 
I was just wondering if you could just run through the advantages and disadvantages of each of those. Look, there's no real disadvantage uh, with them. Uh, the only thing that will happen uh, with your grafted Nelly Kelly is you should get a lot more fruit off it because it's grafted to a wild root stock, so you get a much more vigorous plant growing. Uh, I guess the only thing that can happen with uh, with grafted plants is that for the first few months you have to be very careful uh, that that wild rootstock doesn't try and take over. So right. if you're looking at the plant, it's pretty visible on a passion fruit where the graft is. Yep. And what you have to do is stop any you know little branches or anything coming from below that graft. And it's quite easy to do when you see them coming on. You just sort of wipe your fingers over them and just break them off. Just pinch them off. Yeah. yeah. Because what will happen is if you let that bottom part take over it'll take all the nutrients away from the you know the top half of the plant that's going to fruit and flower for you right and uh, you'll get this funny sort of wild passion fruit that you know flowers a lot but doesn't have the fruit that you know we want uh, growing on there it's a it's a grayer leaf it's a different colored uh, sort of shaped leaf as well right. uh, so it's very important uh, to keep that uh, under control because you'll get people coming in saying uh, you know i put this passion fruit in 18 months ago and it hasn't fruited for me. And you start questioning them a little bit more, get them to describe what the leaves are like, and it turns out that they've let the graft get away from them. The, the rootstock's taken out. Yeah, so look, uh, look, no real disadvantage. Just make sure you're on top of it for the first few months. Do the non-grafted ones last longer than the grafted ones? No. Pearls, huh? No, no, they should, uh, should last exactly the same time. Uh, it's just you'll get more vigorous fruiting and, and growth off the uh, Nelly Kelly grafted passion fruit. Yeah, okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay, good on you, Jeff. Good luck with it. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jeff. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM, 49216216. If you want to ask Scott a question, we've got Christine, and she needs advice about some moss growing on artificial lawn. Outside the circle. Uh, Isn't that making it greener for you? Uh, Yeah. Um, My my husband's built a putt-putt golf course in the backyard for our grandkids. Oh, your husband is a prince. He (laughs) is an absolute legend. 18 holes he's built. But we were given the grass for the putt-putt. They were old tennis courts that were ripped up. Anyway, my husband has tried everything to get like a mossy sort of thing off the grass. Yes, yes. And I was just wondering, is there anything that would work in a garden situation that might work on the, the artificial? Yeah, now, you, have you used vinegar before? Because you can actually use white vinegar and that should get rid of moss for you to sort of burn it off. Yep. Uh, there's another product you can get called Wet and Forget, uh, which you mix up and you spray, and that will also kill uh, moss off for you as well. But okay. I'd, I'd give the old vinegar trick a try first. Okay, that's cheap enough, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So just straight vinegar? Yeah, uh, you can just use straight. You can Look, you can dilute it if you want to, but if, uh, you know, if you, especially if you've got a large area. But, oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that is so impressive. Yeah, it is. He's done a fabulous job. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I mean, just the fact that he thought about it, he's done a fabulous job. So that's yeah. Yeah. When are we coming up, Scott? When, when are we coming up? <laughs> You're always welcome. Oh, I'm dusting off the putter already. <laughs> yeah, well, we've had kids' birthday parties. We've got about 60 people in a fortnight for our, our grandson's uh, football team end-of-year barbecue, and the kids love it. So, oh, yeah. that, that, is, that is truly amazing. You've just made our day for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. I'll go and tell him. Okay, okay thanks very thank much you. for that. That's, that's great. Christine's husband is a dead set legend. I was only thinking it might have been maybe four holes. That's what I was thinking too, yeah. yeah. 18. 18 holes. That's some imagination as well. It is. They must have a big place. Yeah, certainly they must, yeah, yeah. Or it's just they've just gone into their neighbours' houses and you've got to go through the whole neighbourhood. Oh, bunkers, everything. I mean, I can just imagine it now. (laughs) And we've got Irene from Neath and she's got a question about cactus. 
Hello. Hey, how can we help you, Irene? Hello, you gentlemen. I've got a zygo cactus which have little holes in them, and I've sprayed them several times, thinking it was some kind of scale or something, um, and I can't see anything, no insect or anything in it or on it, but it has tiny little holes in them, in the leaves. What could that possibly be? Yeah, so look, it might well have been attacked by something at some point in time, uh, and that's what's left the holes in the leaves. So, you know, spraying it now is probably not going to have much of an effect. Uh, and unfortunately, it probably won't heal itself either. No, no, I don't think so either. Um, can I prevent that in any way? Yeah, look, so the only way you can really prevent, uh, you know, something like that occurring is taking note of when it happened, you know, this year, and then at about the same time next year, uh, you know, using a systemic spray like Confidor and just, you know, carefully spraying that around the area just to try and prevent any insects that might be hatching out at that time uh, attacking uh, the plant for you. Okay. Thank you very much. That's not a problem. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you very much for that, Irene. Now, Scott, almost out of time, so we probably should say who our winner's or winner. Winner. Winner for our double pass. And I think two, I think look, I think the people that we're going to give it to, they're you know they're winners alone, just enough winners in their own right. Winners in their own right. So the uh, we'll give the uh, double pass or two tickets, two tickets to uh, Maitland Garden Ramble on the sixteenth and seventeenth of September. Uh, we will give them to Christine from Osterley. Why not? And her wonderful husband, who's created eighteen mini putt putt. Holes for her grandkids. That is just amazing. I still can't get over that. He needs a weekend off. He does. He does. He does. He needs something or he might get some ideas as well. Well, or he'll go up there and he'll all of a sudden be going, oh, couldn't we be doing something here with this house? And he'll talk other people into putting in mini putt-putt golf courses. Imagine that. A whole world of miniature putt-putt courses in people's backyards. Oh, you just go from suburb to suburb. <laughs> be championships, tournaments. <laughs> it would be. Greg Norman would probably even come back. Oh, I probably would, he but would. he would still manage to stuff up in the last <laughs> hole. He'd choke. That's <laughs> good, Chuck. We're almost out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to mention before you take off for the oh, week? Oh, look, I thought there's a, a couple of uh, fantastic little plants uh, you know, coming out at, at the moment. Uh, there's white lavender, if you're uh, into lavender. Yep. Uh, so, you know, rather than having the purples in your garden, if you want some, you know, contrast with the flowers, there's beautiful white lavenders uh, you can get at the moment. A really good time to get out and choose lavenders in the garden centres at the moment because that's when they're coming into flower. So a much uh, wider choice. Uh, and as well as that, uh, there's a little marguerite daisy out at the moment as well. Uh, look, they're all out in flower and it's a good time to choose marguerites. Marguerites are a fantastic, tough plant. Uh, they'll grow around the salt uh, uh, you know, up in the uh, frosty areas, very easy to look after. Once they've finished their, you know, flowering, and there's always a profusion of flowers on daisies, you can uh, give them a really good old hard cut back, and then they'll spring back for you. So this one I'm talking about, uh, it's uh, it's part of the Lorita series. Uh, it's a really, really nice little one. It's only a little flower, a little white flower with a little, little yellow yep. uh, sort of centre to it, but uh, and not a, a big growing one either, but uh, look, fantastic for a rockery or a really hot spot in the garden. Um, Marguerite daisies are. Beautiful. Yeah. So you give a whole heap of them and you're sorted. Absolutely. Uh, look, the other thing I might just uh, quickly mention uh, is uh, tomato Father Tom. So if you like those, uh, you know, those uh, sort of gourmet tomatoes that, you know, come on the, you know, the, the truss, uh, tomato Father Tom, they're a fantastic tomato to have. Oh, yeah. garden. So look into that. We'll talk about that a bit more next week. I think we will as it starts to warm up, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. It's too cold at the moment. Thank you very much, Scott Sharp. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, 
well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>